I could do the Sam Harris. I could do the Sam Harris intro where I just go. Yeah. Welcome to the Don't Praise the Machine podcast. This is Alexander Holland and John Maloney. Okay. <laughs> A little bit of housekeeping this week. We have some live dates coming up. And we've been getting a lot of emails about those. So <laughs> tickets are available. Don't praise the machine.com. And today's episode is not behind a paywall. It's a public service message. It's about a yeah, that's my that's my Sam Harris intro. John and I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't afford hundred dollars a month then email us at don't praise the machine.com and one of my staff members will get back to you <laughs> okay okay so, so that's all the housekeeping this week onto the show my guest this week is alexander holland and john Malone. <laughs> alexander holland is a layabout from adelaide <laughs> south australia the Bachelor of Arts degree majoring in multimedia from the University of South Australia. On today's podcast, we discuss <laughs> Splargs, the origin of Splargs, some of the contemporary debate surrounding thread throughs, <laughs> AI companions, Tom, Tom Arnold, <laughs> virtual chatbots, wrap up raps, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Vanilla Ice. Anthropomorphic mascots. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> you probably would too. So without further ado, I bring you Don't Praise the Machine. <laughs> I just ask him that was good. Yeah, you do that well. You get the good timbre. The um the things that I would ask him about would mostly be the Golden Girls, because yeah, um, a lot of people don't know this, but his his mother was the writer, I think, and essentially the creator of Golden Girls and a yeah. bunch of other sitcoms from that era. Yeah. So for any of the listeners out there, Sam Harris is a famous neuroscientist and public intellectual, and I'm a big fan of his, and John is a massive massive <laughs> fan of his i'm on the fence uh to a fault yeah. and his mother he keeps that under wraps yeah i've never heard him speak about it publicly yeah his mum invented the golden girls and <laughs> it's pretty so it's pretty off brand for him to just go to to just go from discussing you know some sort of touchy subjects in the contemporary zeitgeist to just going uh, this this week on our show, why was Maud so promiscuous? <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 51, uh, and we're going to have some fun. Oh, very Me. good. I'm one of the members of the show. My name's Alexander Holland. I'm here, as always, with my number one pod pilot. And then you go, Shambhalani. And John, you're in a new closet I'm today. In the- I love this. I love that you're taking 
Yeah. I love that you're taking the sound quality of the show seriously after I had to have a little conversation with you. <laughs> you really screaming. chewed me out. Um, well, I just, yeah, last week I was in a new, because I'm in a new house, I was in a new recording space, which was my study, which I'd appropriated for that purpose. And I'd done a little bit of sound checking, but there was a bit of a reverb issue. I didn't count on... It's just hard to simulate when I'm by myself the level of enthusiasm that I work up once we get going. Yeah. So once I was clapping and squealing with delight, there was a little bit of echo <laughs> on the track. And whilst to the untrained ear, it probably is negligible. We pride ourselves on uh, being very anal about sound quality on Don't Praise yeah. the Machine. And uh, I listen with a contemptuous chuckle to other podcasts where they just have guests on <laughs> and they sound like they're talking they're talking from like one of those battlefield phones that they used in the Vietnam War. And uh, so we, we try and we try and do better than that. So I thought this week I would shift uh, to a walk in robe. So I'm talking to the screen um, and on either side of you and indeed above you is just uh, coats and shoes. Um, yeah, it's a walk-in closet walk for in, our American yeah, guests. Yeah, walk-in closet. And uh, it's quite a cosy space, actually. I don't mind it as a recording space. Um, free of distraction. And uh, if the neighbor... Freed from distraction. If all the sound is purified. <laughs> freed from distraction. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, episode 51. I don't know about you, but that made me think of Area 51, and <laughs> yeah, which, which I have to hear about from you every day. Yeah, and I know you don't like it. I have keep, <laughs> keep trying to talk about aliens on the show, and Al edits it out and says, <laughs> no, 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 that's off-brand. People will think we're just crackpots, but I'm not going to be silenced. Uh, Area 51... <laughs> Area 51 is an is a lasting mystery to this day. Uh, and it's one that should concern us. The CIA only acknowledged its existence in 2013. Uh, some oh. 60 years give, nearly um, after it. Can you give the una, can you give the uh, unaware I'm sure most people are little, familiar with Area 51. It's a highly classified facility in the uh, in a larger area called the Nevada Test and Training Range, which is about 134 kilometers outside of Las Vegas. Um, it was acquired by the U.S. military in 1955, which observant listeners will note is a mere eight years after the alien crash in Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> and uh, everything that happens there, all the research and all the occurrences are top secret. And the CIA only publicly acknowledged the existence of an Area 51 in 2013. And people who are kind of conspiracy theorists will say to you that there are things going on at Area 51 which the government won't talk about, which include crashed UFOs being recovered and reverse engineered and tested, live aliens having resided there and been uh, yeah. interacted with, time travel experiments, there's all kinds of theories. There was a guy who called Bob Lazar, who was an American. Oh, yeah, I'm very oh. familiar with Bob Lazar. Are you? Right, okay. 
Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Because I'm like, I never heard of it. I mean, anyone anyone who listens to Joe Rogan knows Bob Lazar because oh. Rogan loves Bob Lazar because because Bob Lazar because Rogan loves the idea of there being potentially aliens. Mm. Like it's he's he's big into it, and Bob Lazar is perhaps the most credible. Mm. Um. He he offers the 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 the, seem, the seemingly most possible connection or the most possible evidence. Yeah, okay. That there are interesting. I didn't know anything about him, um, but for those not in the know, he claims to have been employed at the Area Fifty One site in the late eighties, and to have been put to work on essentially reverse engineering yeah. the technology that propelled uh, alien spacecraft. I think his credentials are, as you might expect, debated. Um, there are some universities where he claims to have gone to university to get his training, which have no record of him or say they have no record of him, which, of course, is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> of course, is what they would have said if they were visited by men in black who uh, told them to delete all records. Um, if there was a person who'd worked on reverse engineering alien spacecraft and then publicly came out and said he was doing that, of course they would yeah. erase him that's from the, existence. That's the genius of, like, if Bob Lazar set out to, which is certainly one distinct possibility, set out to make this up, the, the genius of saying these things is that anything that is used to discredit you can be inverted, mm. which, I, which I enjoy. I must say as well, yeah. just quickly, I must say as well, the nice thing about if there were not, something that is enjoyable about watching Joe Rogan interview Bob Lazar yeah. is that is that it, it can be quite convincing and it does allow you to indulge momentarily in the fantasy yeah. to think, or not fantasy, mm. to, 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 to think, to ask yourself, what if what he's saying is true? Mm. What... Yeah. What if, what if it's true? Yeah, it's an exhilarating possibility. Then everything I understand falls to pieces. Yeah, well, this is like a crumbly, like a crumbly cake. <laughs> this is where I'm. This is where I'm getting to. So the, there have we live in exciting times for ufologists. Uh, there was a there was a report yeah. that came out last year which looked at uh, about fifteen or sixteen years of military pilots reports of seeing ufos and this followed from footage being leaked and examined by the new york times they did a lot of they did a ground ra- groundbreaking report on it several members of the military came forward and said yeah we see ufos regularly sometimes on a daily basis over a sustained period and these were yeah. these were people who were not previously associated with paranormal horseshittery and uh, and now and then the uf the the UFO reports were collated and considered by the Pentagon, which found that one of the reports was explainable by uh, a balloon being in the area, but the other one hundred and forty three reports couldn't be explained. So, who knows what'll happen this year? It's an exciting time to keep watching the skies. And my question to our listeners is. Would you like to see a UFO and would you like aliens to exist? And what would that do to your life? What would it do to society? 
if they did. I like to. I would love it. Yeah, I'd love it as well. I've, I mean, I think I think when I was a bit younger, I would not have liked it because of how it would have destabilized my reality. Mm. But now, I don't really put a lot of stock in reality. To be honest, no. I'm I'm on the I'm on the kind of it's all a simulation train. Every so what ifs? I don't, <laughs> give, a sh- I don't give a fuck a shit. <laughs> Every day I wake up and think, fuck, I hope my reality gets destabilized. Yeah, and, uh, I imagine that'd be so good. It'd be great. No point being a lawyer now. There's fucking aliens. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this is the thing. Everybody would have to say to themselves, what are we doing? What are we doing if there's aliens? I have to reconsider everything. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, the, the, um, the, the possibility that I find the most captivating mm. is that, is that uh, um, like, Advanced UFOs have been found in archaeological digs, mm. and then they, they, and then their suggestion <laughs> being that when they dig them up, it turns out that they've been there for like fifty thousand years. Yeah, I don't know. I just there's something about that that I love. That not only, I mean, of course, if there's some advanced alien technology, I'm sure that fifty thousand years is a blink of an eye, and it doesn't really matter anyway. But with our perception of time, mm. the idea that something super advanced, like way beyond our technological capabilities was discovered was 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 here 50,000 years ago. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. about it's, that. It's it's that cool, makes isn't me it? get real jazz. <laughs> well, I watched Flight of the Navigator or something. Yeah, I rewatched the thing lately which is what that's one of the premises that they play with this idea that this alien spaceship has been hidden in the ice for about 100,000 years or something. Oh, I love it. That's something mm. about it. I mean, guys, and if you want <laughs> if you want the greatest alien movie of all time, check out Independence Day, starring friend of the show Will Smith. <laughs> and, and Bill Pullman, uh Jeff Goldblum. And Randy Randy Quaid. Oh yeah, he's a good he's a real uh friend of the show. We haven't made a lot of uh noise about Randy, but he's got DPTM written all over him, I reckon. Oh, he's mate, a, he's does a, he? He's a DPTM is a DPTM is excellent for. We're kind of we we really celebrate the uh, the side the person who's never going to be a leading man, mm. probably not not it's not going to be the second leading man either. <laughs> typically, they're going to be the creepy dad yeah. in the Griswold films. Yeah, they're yeah, be the creepy uncle <laughs> in the Griswold films. So, our, as many of our listeners will know, we've received a great deal of interest about this. You recently accomplished a very significant physical feat, and that is that you completed a marathon. Yeah, I can add that to my list of life achievements. Yeah. Right up there with DJing at the opening of the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Oh, yeah. I think it was 2009, I think that was. So, there we go. Marathon, Marathon and Fringe Spin DJ Competition 2009. <laughs> that's what I got on my, on my wall. That's pretty good. Uh, you're still only halfway through. Um, yeah, 42-ish kilometers mm. on the beautiful Canary Island of Gran Canaria. Mm. And I was there with 
three other fellow marathony friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Philip. I'm talking about Owen. I'm talking about Marta. I'm talking about one man being from Ireland. I'm talking about two people being from Poland, me, Australia, mm. a little international group. And it was super fun. Mm-hmm. It was really, really hard. Mm. And I'm, hap- I'm happy to say that I'd, I'm looking forward to doing another one now. Mm. But in the last three kilometers, I definitely, my brain was saying that I would never do this ever again. <laughs> because Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, so it was at the start of the race, it was at the top of the mountain and it was extremely wet and windy, crazy oh, wow. conditions in the morning, just whipping rain. Yeah. And really, none of the marathon, this is a trail marathon. There wasn't a single part of the marathon that was sealed. Yeah. It was all rocks and dirt and mud. The first bit, I think there was about 850 of us competing in the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, the first bit was just whipping rain and craziness. So a trail marathon the, is distinct from a a non-trail marathon. Road marathon. Okay. In that yeah. in in that the roads are unsealed for the length of it. Unsealed, and also you're talking about crazy inclines and, de- right. and declines. Yeah, okay. So you imagine somebody basically running around mountains. Yeah, very as a, as opposed to watching like a street, yeah. mo- like a Monaghetti marathon. Yeah, because let's get Steve Monaghetti on the show. Yeah, <laughs> He's we keep, made a lot of we keep bloody mentioning him. But I, yeah, I must admit, I when you said you were going to do this, I pictured like a, you know, classic sort of New York marathon type setting, but it wasn't like that at all. No, it was, uh, we started at the top of a mountain and then we ran down, but there was still some pretty serious incline mm. as well. I'm just reading here mm-hmm. for you what the statistics are. 43 kilometer marathon it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, des- description, 42.9 kilometers, positive elevation, 1,355 meters, mm. cutoff time, 10.5 hours. So, so you get disqualified um, if you take more than that. They put you in a van mm-hmm. and they drive you to a Spanish factory where they turn you into Spanish glue mm, if you come in. That sounds fair. 10 hours, which is, I think, a good incentive <laughs> yeah. to keep going. Yeah, I'd definitely I give, up, give it my all. I don't want to become a Spanish glue stick. <laughs> uh, so, then, so yeah, positive elevation. It was actually the 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 downhills that really thrashed my quads. Yeah. Um, but after the whipping rain at the top of the mountain, you you actually you run down a bit. Yeah. And then the skies cleared, and it was just this beautiful, warm, sunny day. Mm. What's but, what's yeah. kind of conditions are ideal for? Long distance running. I guess you want it to be cool and sunny. Dry and cool, yeah, mm. because you're going to be generating a lot of heat mm. as you run. So if it's too hot, it's, it's it would be awful. And if it's too wet, it's not very comfortable either. Yeah. So coolish conditions, but nice and clear. And I like a bit of sun. Yeah. Hey, I did it. And I got to tell you that I came in three hours before cutoff time. Yeah. So it took me... It took me seven and a half hours, mm-hmm. um, and I would love to say that I was able to run the entire thing, mm. but I'd be telling a big lie. <laughs> there were sections of it that I had to walk, 
because it was oh, you man. were just facing some serious uphills. Yeah. And by the by the last three or four um the last little section of it, you were just running in a dry riverbed yeah. that was all stones, so massive rocks basically. So you were really having to keep an eye on your ankles wow. and you couldn't yeah, and that was also just sapping After a lot you'd of your already energy, run, running along, you know, thirty eight Ks or something. Yeah. It, Jesus. This Christ. is what they did. This is what they did to you at the end. <laughs> and my I could barely lift my legs at the end oh, of it. I was God. just shuffling yeah. along. Yeah. And then I couldn't and then um none of us could walk properly for <laughs> several days. Yeah. I would say it took at least it took close to a week mm. until my legs felt normal again afterwards. It was funny being at the hotel after the event because Lots of people who were of our level of—I mean, we had trained, yeah—but but I don't. We had not. We had. We were not conditioned like uh, the professionals for this kind of thing. All the people that run these kind of distances more regularly, yeah. So there were a lot of people who were in the same boat as us mm-hmm. at the hotel. So when you go to get breakfast in the morning, you could just look around and you could tell exactly who had <laughs> done it because everybody was hobbling. walking like penguins. Yeah, yeah. It was just all these hobbly people, but then. Um, the we we did the we did the uh, marathon, but the main event of that little running festival is actually the race, which is the Trans Grand Canaria um, Ultra Marathon, which is 126 kilometers. Fuck. Uh, and we, I met a bunch of people mm-hmm. um, over there. We we spent the next week on the island, mm. and you'd constantly be seeing people who still had the little wristband on or the Trans Grand Canaria t-shirt that they gave away. So I would just approach them and, and ask them. Mm. Um, I'd point to my wristband and I'd say, I was part of that too. And then we'd have a good chat. Spoke to um, spoke to a nice French man. He'd done it in, he run, I think, 126 Ks in like 20 or so hours. I, I wow. ran into a, um Italian woman on a beach and she had done 126 Ks in about 23 hours and they all had very similar looking bodies and they just you could not tell that they had done anything that required any physical exertion it was amazing i asked the i asked the french guy i'm like i said i can't walk is that normal and he said i I don't yeah i think that the first this is your first marathon in the transcanaria then perhaps Mm. it is normal and i said what about you (laughs) i'm fine i have i I am fine i have a little bit of a pain in my hips but apart from that <laughs> i feel fine wow how old are and, these people um i think in both those cases they would have been early 40s this is the great thing about distance running yeah it's you can just keep doing it and even as you get old you can keep improving that's amazing you can't say about most other things no because i tried to uh, I tried out for the Adelaide Crows last mm. year. Yeah, and they I remember. said they said and they said no, no, no. You can't be full forward for the Adelaide Crows because mm. I remember I said, when we. Go, but it's my boy. I said it's my boy. <laughs> boy dream. Yeah. Come on. Well done. Congratulations on your. Thanks. Your my impression is this is one of the hardest marathons that you can do. This particular one. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Of all marathons in the world, all I would say, all I can say is that we did speak to a lot of people who had done 30 plus marathons in their lives. Yeah. And they did say that it 
is one of the more difficult ones mm. of the 30, like top top three. Wow. So you could go to Boston next and just bloody I'd love just romp that. it in. Yeah. This is the thing. Now that I've done this, um, I'm really looking forward to doing a street track because mm. it's going to be Oh, it's going to be absolute cakewalk. Mm. It makes me say, oh, this marathon's a cakewalk for the good old Alexander Holland. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good note to sign off on that segment with. <laughs> okay. And now on to the, so, now on to the next segment. <laughs> This is a story which came to my attention recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it involves a man from Turkey. Uh, his name was Izet Kocak. I may not be pronouncing that correctly. That's probably the case. But uh, he was a, a dairy farmer in Turkey, and he kept his cows inside, as a lot of farmers have to do during the cold months, etc., as a result, they were, you know, in the dark. They don't get to roam around as much. They're not as happy, so they produce uh, less milk. And uh, one way to deal with that is to put your cows into the metaverse. So what he did was he got some company uh, to design, or perhaps they already were doing this, and he just took advantage of the technology, which is in its infancy, I gather, to design a virtual reality headset like a oculus type type thing which was big enough to put onto the head of a cow which is a pretty sizable uh head and uh and then the cows were just played images of you know kind of the sort of landscapes that you might see in the sound of music i imagine and uh and as a result they produce more milk because they wow. thought they were outside in the open sun, enjoying their lives. And uh, a lot of people reacted by saying, this is horrifically dystopian. Uh, and, I, and I can see why, but it was just a, it was, I mean, it's just a kind of bizarre application of that technology, but also I can see the dilemma. I mean, you know, the cows are happier. And, yeah. and they're going to be in the same situation I mean, it's an interesting philosophical question because I'm sure people will say, well, there is a dairy industry that isn't going anywhere. Mm. So if you can give the cows a more pleasant experience, yeah. what's the problem? I mean, Do you want them to experience the squalor of the milking shed their whole lives? Exactly. I mean, yes, if somebody said, well, the root of the problem here is that we're farming, that we're dairy farming in this way. That's not a bad point, but as you say, that's not going anywhere. So it gives the cows a bit of relief. And then I started to think, where else in our society could we do this? You know, like if you had yeah. somebody who was recuperating in hospital or if, they, if you had somebody who was 
in a waiting room for an inordinately long time or on a commute ah. or, or a prisoner. Like if somebody's serving that sentence, do you want to maybe say to them, look, if it's a minimum security thing, just just kind of insert yourself into the metaverse. And you won't be, unfortunately, you won't be as uh, suggestible as a cow. So you probably won't be persuaded that you actually aren't in prison, you're in the metaverse. Wow. But, you know, you might be having a nicer time than if you were just looking at the inside of yourself. This reminds me, last week I saw something on Twitter that said something, yeah. it was a news article that said something like, science believe that they will be able to make a prisoner feel like they've served a 1,000-year sentence in eight hours. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. So, so they're saying that the technology will exist where they can take you and you will perceive yeah, time a in a thousand, a, th- a thousand days. What did I say? A thousand years. A thousand years. Oh, man. A thousand year sentence. But it will only take. That puts a knot in my stomach. Imagine. Like an inception imagine you just situation. Being, imagine being just strapped down yeah. and they say. Okay, get ready for your thousand-year sentence. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, Lord. And you look to your left, and cows just have Oculus Rifts on. Yeah, and you you go, go. what have we done? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think think my thought was, you know, if you can be in a situation where, let's say you're at Centrelink or you're at the DMV as they call it in America and you're waiting to get a license or you're waiting to renew something and they say, look, it's going to be a minimum 90 minute wait, but in the corner there's a machine and you pay, you know, dollars, $10, $5, whatever, and you just stick your head in it and you can have a little run around in a virtual world. I reckon that'd be a money spinner. I mean, yes, people... These days carry phones and they're they're kind of mobile distraction devices, but you know you want something a bit more immersive sometimes. Um, and why not do that? Why not do that? Like if in you in we go if you have like a in we go yeah in we go. What if you're working like one of the in a factory and you sort of thought, well, like I've just got to do something fairly basic with my hands, and if I could have yeah. some physical representation of that so that I can keep doing it. But maybe the, yeah. but the background is going to be like lovely mountains. Yeah, that'd be like a, maybe in that in that circumstance, some sort of augmented reality. Yeah, so perhaps you exactly. are putting heads on the Malibu Stacy dolls coming out of the machine on the conveyor belt. Yeah, but then maybe when you've got your Google glasses on, yeah, there you're, what, you're watching people. Sp- there's like hot nude women dancing around. Mm. And you can you can play a video game of pong with your eyes, or like to control the the ping pong bat. Yeah, or just a beautiful sunset. A, whatever you whatever you taste. Yeah, you could have a beautiful sunset in the in the Amazon fulfillment mm. center, mm. and that's part of a new segment we've got called "Just Go In," which is about <laughs> the which is about the coming metaverse. Yeah, it's about. Just get in there, Just guys. Get in. Stop resisting. Comply. Yeah. Comply. <laughs> Comply. <laughs> you won't even know once you're in. You won't even know what you're worried about. Um, <laughs> there is a philosopher, Robert Nozick, who talked about the experience. 
the theoretical experience machine, which was basically the Matrix. Yeah, I know the experience machine. Mm. And uh, I listened to enough Sam Harris. Yeah, okay, I know the experience go. machine very well. Um, <laughs> starting to feel like I could have been Sam Harris because a lot of my reference yeah. points seem to be similar. But um, <laughs> it's true. But um, it's true. Uh, but my knowledge of Golden Girls is pretty rudimentary. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the question, I guess, is, you know, would you get into this machine where you basically forget about your real life and can fulfill your dreams, but all of it is fake? You know, what's the difference? And my yeah. answer is there's no difference, so just get in there. Guys, get in. <laughs> Shut up. We're going to this new segment called Shut Up and Get In. <laughs> yeah. Move along. Move along. <laughs> Shut up and get in. <laughs> um, you know, like, uh, what if you were waiting for your parents after school and yeah, instead of just sitting on, you know, in the parking lot, you could just, in the corner of the classroom, there was a lovely Oculus Rift and you just, you could just hop in, hop in. And you could be in Minecraft or you could be in uh, Fortnite. Yeah. Whatever. 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 Or you it. could be in, you know, or, or even better, you could be in TikTok. Mm. Imagine. You could be. Shut up and get in TikTok. <laughs> Just get in. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Something that I was thinking about this week, mm-hmm. John, I've written a few short notes here. I wanted to just see if I can put these out there and get these abbreviated. I've got one abbreviation that oh, I want yeah. to try and get into the uh, public consciousness. Oh, Maybe add it, to the, just add it to the lingua franca. Is that is that a correct sentence? Yeah. Or the... Um, add it to the vocabulary of the lingua franca. The vernacular, you might say. The vernacular. Mm. Um, I was going to say, why don't we all just stop saying skeptical and we just say skeppy? Mm. I'll give you an example. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a bit skeppy of that. <laughs> I love why that. are you so skeppy? Why yeah. are you so, why are you so skeppy all the time? I can see you're a little skeppy over there. I can see you're a little skeppy mm. on that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if somebody's getting taken advantage of all the time, you could say, you know, it would serve you to be a little bit more skeppy sometimes. <laughs> You're saving yourself a few seconds, a few syllables. Yeah. And I like how it rolls off the tongue. Ske- it sounds like Skippy. <laughs> skeppy the bush kangaroo. Uh, yeah. So put it out there, guys. Mm. Um, just just drop it in there with your no caps. Where did that come from? Did, your, you start, you, your, did you start your, using it? And your fit check. No, I just I, I I had to say skeptical the other day, and I thought this is taking ages. What are we going to do about this? <laughs> His mind is wandering in the middle of pronouncing the word. <laughs> I, I got I got skeptical. I got halfway through, and I lost my place. I said, "What are we talking about?" <laughs> oh, I'm saying skeptical again. Oh, that takes ages. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> and then I came, and being being Australian, I uh, have a special skill set with abbreviating words. Yeah. My favourite Australian I thought, abbreviations. Why hasn't that been abbreviated? Yeah. My favourite local ones are the ones that don't actually save on syllables. It's just like... 
it's just a mangling of the word which ends up being as long or possibly even longer. Yeah. Well, the classic is um, in cricket, uh, leg before wicket mm. has the exact same amount of syllables as LBW. <laughs> Although people have pointed out to me, LBW is a lot shorter to write mm. than leg before wicket. True. But but interesting, interesting that leg before wicket has the same amount of syllables yeah. as the abbreviation yeah. LBW. Yeah, so just say the thing. Just say then leg before wicket. People know what you're talking about. Yeah. Although I say, I just pronounce it labwa. I just, <laughs> I say the letters. <laughs> yeah, he got out by Labois. <laughs> that was very short. <laughs> How's that? Oh, he's giving him Labois. Labois. Uh, so that's, uh, that was one thing I had I had written on here. I've just got the word skeppy on my, no- <laughs> on my notes. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit briefly about something that we all do. Mm-hmm. I love saying things that are relatable and something that's happened to me this week that I'm sure has happened to all of us is I did that thing where you need to put something away, an object in your house, mm-hmm. but you're a little bit lazy. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting it where it belongs, you think, oh, you know what? I'll put it here and I'm, I'll remember that it's here. Yeah. But this weird thing goes on where you have a little internal conversation with yourself where one part of you goes, <laughs> I'll put it here and that'll be fine. Yeah. I remember, I'll remember it's here. And then this other part of your brain, the better part of yourself goes, that you won't remember that you've put it there. You're being lazy. <laughs> you'll put it there and then you'll try to find it soon mm. and you won't remember that you put it there and you'll kick yourself for being lazy. And the other part of yourself wins over yeah. and you put it in the place that you know it doesn't go. <laughs> and sure enough... <laughs> A week later, you have absolutely no idea where it is, and you remember oh, having the conversation with yourself, where the the weaker part of yourself won out. What is going on in our brains mm. in this situation? Mm. Where you're Very having an question. internal, it's like your split personality and the dumb one wins over. And now I don't know where my DJ USB stick oh, is. No. And I don't know where my custom molded musician's earplugs are. And if I get a call up for an impromptu DJ set to rock the party, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, this is very, very relatable for me because I've made, I've succumbed to the dumb voice so many times that it occupies a much larger part of my brain now and it <laughs> takes considerable reflection and effort for me to go, come on, John, just put the, I love, you found that sock, you know where the other sock is. So just put them together and put them in your top drawer. And I, I love the idea that with me, the internal dialogue is, it's like almost like the two battling parts of myself yeah. are on a somewhat even playing field. Yeah, and no. one, of my, one part of myself goes, oh, you should put it here, and the other part goes, no, you shouldn't, and it's kind of on a level playing field. But then for you, mm. it's always like it's always like the, stro- the the one that wants to do the right thing goes, come on, John, just put And the other one goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pussy, piece of fucking shit. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. That's what I thought. No, no, just, just put just put, your, just put your wallet under the couch. You'll definitely remember this there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you... I don't know if you will remember. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to have to do this again. I don't want to have to do this. Don't make... You're doing this to yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what happens in my head. I go, I'll just leave these... I'll just leave my wallet between the couch cushions. And then <laughs> the voice the voice goes, yeah, just leave your, your wallet between the couch cushions. And then there's this... 
oh, maybe you should put it. And then the other voice goes, what What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, so what's, what's, what's that? And that kind of chopper read. Yeah. The chopper read. No, no, no. Go on, mate. You said something. Come on. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no. Don't worry about it. Okay. No, come on. Speak. Speak up. No, come over. What's that? No, come over here. No, you start. I want to hear. I want to hear it, mate. Come over here. I want to hear it. It looks like you've got something to say. Everyone's here. What have you got to say to us? (laughs) I just thought. Yeah, you just fucking thought, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's fucking great. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 51 of Don't Praise the Machine with myself, Alexander Holden, and my number one pod partner, John Maloney. Now, John, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to one of the members of the ever-increasing DPTM family, Mm -hmm. and that is my my cousin, Liam Megan. Mm -hmm. Liam's a big fan of the show. And uh, I was talking about him with my mother the other day. And I thought, and actually mum said, why don't you give Liam a shout out? He's a real lovely young man. Yeah. So shout out to Liam. Uh, Megan, I was was, um, texting Liam during the Super Bowl because Liam is a American football player. He loves oh. to chuck the pigskin about. So really? When Not many of those. I was watching the... This, this neck of the woods. Yeah, in Australia. And uh, when he when I was watching the Cincinnati Bengals in the uh, Super Bowl, he I knew he'd be up watching it. So I, I texted him and I said, Liam, it's so bloody early. It's so late in the evening, early in the morning here in Berlin. I'm watching the Cincinnati Bengals. I bet you're watching it. And he said, I sure am. Mm. So big shout out to Liam. And while we're doing it, why don't we give a shout out to Liam's parents? I'm talking about David Megan, who oh, yeah. you know, John. Yeah. And his lovely wife, my auntie Ilka. And I want to say a big shout out to their dog, Fritzy, who's also a big fan of the show. Oh. We've got, we got a lot of pets. A lot of canine followers. the machine. Yeah. And actually, I should say, I'm just going to have to end up. I have to do a list next week of yeah. all of my re- relatives because um, I should give a shout out to Paula as well because last time that I spoke to David and Ilka, yeah. Paula was with them and she said, David gets mentioned on the podcast. Where's my shout out? She's my godmother, Paula. Shout oh, out to Paula, lovely. my godmother. Paula Megan, also a lawyer. Wow. <laughs> Another Megan lawyer. David and Paula, the Megan lawyers. I'll do a little shout out as well, actually, Al, if I may. My, my brother... Dan, told me during the week about a listener. Um, Dargle. My brother Dargle. Sorry, I've departed from the <laughs> pseudonym that we developed <laughs> early in this show. Uh, beep. Um, uh, Dan. My brother, my brother told me about uh, a friend of his, Sophia. Shout out to Sophia. Um, ah. And Sophia... Uh, is not only a fan of the show, but apparently has been hearing good things. She's a law student at Melbourne Uni, and she's oh. uh, she's heard through the grapevine that there's been a kind of dangerous minds 
esque reaction to my classes on philosophical foundations <laughs> of law. <laughs> I might be editorializing a little bit, but that's my impression. And uh, so shout out to Sophia. Um, hope you're enjoying the cast. And she's not actually in my classes, but she's just heard about them on the grapevine. Uh, it's a shame that how many, uh, she can't be there in, in person. But um, how, many, um, how many people are in the class, John? There's about 50 plus, so 50 something. Mate. You've got you've, at the end of the next class. Yeah, got to cross promote. Yeah, I should. The only problem is that, um, well, there's a number of there's a number of <laughs> difficulties with that. I just I don't know. It's about it's all about like bringing your whole self to work these days, isn't it? So everyone I know, yeah, should know about my dirty, as Pink put it last week, my dirty little nitty gritty pod. Uh, and, uh, yeah, perhaps in, when I'm saying farewell to people at the end of week 12, I'll say, and if you enjoyed this course, uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no need to stop here. <laughs> there's no need to stop listening to my voice here. Yeah. There's 51 episodes <laughs> of me. Yeah, exactly. If you thought 12, three hour sessions wasn't enough, uh, and I'm sure you did, then how about another 20 plus hours of me talking yeah. shit? And then you could say, and guys, when you go to the supermarket, you realize that all those products have to go through a middleman that's taking a cut of all the products on the shelf that you're buying. <laughs> Who out there's heard of Herbalife? Right? Now, I'm going to guess some of you heard some negative things, right? <laughs> right? Hey, hey, I, I'm, I'm not here to judge. But I am here to tell you a different side of the Herbalife story. <laughs> I'm going to uh, play a little video now, and you're going to hear from some people <laughs> who haven't had such a bad experience with Herbalife. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 51 of Don't Praise the Machine. I've been one of your hosts, Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat digitally across from my number one pod partner, Pilot pizza party boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that in. Uh, uh, what's what's your name? Uh, it's it's Sergeant General Junior Maloney. <laughs> Sergeant General Junior John Maloney. We'll catch you next week at the podcast. <laughs>